Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 354. It's made possible by our sponsors, Instabug, Mac Weldon, and Hover. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Doing really good. It's yes. good. You sound good on your new microphone. No, oh, thank you. Mm. It was a it was a joy <laughs> to edit last week. Also joined by Mike Hurley. Hello. You sound the way you did. You sound, <laughs> were you expecting anything different? I don't know. It's like you got to up, up the ante. Would you like me to set up a different microphone for you? I mean, I have some other options here. Would you like me to go get one? You should have upped your vocal cord game um, to make up for my new microphone. Yeah. Well, give me give me an example. What is this? What is this? What is the output I'm achieving here? I don't know. Like you should have done vocal exercises or something like that. Ah, how do you? Is know there I like don't... a vocal coach for podcasting? I mean, there probably <laughs> should I, be. This is something I, just I have a new worried profession? about. Podcast, uh, possibly vocal coach. Okay, so I worry about this sometimes. You know, I think it's a combination of my advancing years and the fact that I talk so much. Not just in podcasting, but I talk so much all the time. I'm a big talker. That say if I was in an environment where it was loud, and, you know, maybe I was at, at a bar or whatever, or in a restaurant talking for a while. Maybe the next day my my throat would be really sore, or I would get like a metallic taste in my mouth, which it definitely isn't good. And I always think to myself, oh man, am I going to talk so much one day that that's just it for me? Oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, you're going to stop talking? Well, it's like maybe human beings have a limited amount of words they can say in their lifetime. But usually... <laughs> That's a fun way to think about it. Usually <laughs> they don't hit it. But podcasters will be the first people to hit it. Okay. I have some, some real-time follow-up. I no, found, I don't want it. I don't want it. I haven't found a podcast oh, okay. vocal coach we Ooh. can hire. But uh-huh. there's an NPR article on how to find your podcast voice. But I don't want to sound like an NPR podcast because they all no. sound like it's very important. Oh. And then there's a bunch of blog posts from people about Welcome it. Welcome to Connected. My name is Mike Early. Filling in for... That's a great That's a great joke from Parks and Rec. <laughs> this, this show has been produced by... You, you got to say who produces the show if you want to do like an NPR style show. Uh, and then there's 75 people that you then <laughs> list off. Our associate <laughs> producer is Jonathan <laughs> Voigt. The one true, <laughs> one true John. Our one true producer. <laughs> I, I mean, I worry about this too. I lose my voice really easily. My voice has definitely changed a lot over the years. And if that track continues, I'm definitely in trouble. But Joe! <laughs> <laughs> See, they should probably stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, stop screaming all the time. I can't do the Joe character today because I'm recording in my studio, but they're building the other half like around the other side of the door they're doing trim work today and due to a bunch of boring reasons i couldn't record in the house and so i'm out here so a there's going to be some background noise probably i apologize but i also can't do like the joe voice because if i start screaming like that they're going to wonder what's going on in here and they're already very curious about me (laughs) oh that's why you should do it this isn't why this isn't why he doesn't want people to hear him do that yeah that's what it is it's not about the shouting thousands and thousands and thousands of people hear me do it it's in an application on the app store yeah but no you don't want you don't want the people in real life that are in your life right now yeah whom you may be related to at least some of them not because it's a weird thing just because Stephen knows a lot of that sounded strange it's like small town surely you're related that's not 
that's not what I meant. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm expecting you don't want them to hear you uh, doing your fake Southern accent. You don't want people to go to your wife and be like, "Hey, your husband's kind of weird." That's right. How could I combine the Joe the Joe voice and the ASMR though? Joe, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's too strained. It hold sounds, on, it sounds on, like you're in on. pain. Southern, hold on, Southern America, no, Southern United States ASMR. Joe. Okay, ASMR Southern Foods Soft Spoken. It's a video on YouTube. There's also ASMR Southern Accent Soft Spoken. I mean, I'm not. I, I, I'm not surprised about the fact that there are people from Southern America, the South of America, who do ASMR. Oh, this is a very specific genre. Everyone has their own special thing. Follow up. Yours is Apple Watch backups because for some reason we're still talking about this. For because the third there was week a grave a error in the previous episode. Oh, is this is the green thing all over again. Greengate was real. Uh, I don't care if it was real, but like, why do we have this follow-up? It's only you. <laughs> I just need to set the record straight. Why? There is a remove all button on that screen, but I had too many backups to see the button. I didn't try scrolling because Apple doesn't believe in showing you that something is scrollable unless you try scrolling it, which is bad. So... You can remove them all at once. You don't have to do them individually and then get dumped back out into the settings app. I still maintain the settings app is bad. I still maintain that the iPhone storage screen is too slow. I didn't hear anything about that. So I guess no one knows. Craft is finally working on tables. I feel like I have been begging for them to do this and they are finally doing it. They tweeted about it, like showing a video of it. It looks like exactly what I want to do. It's just tables in the app. I'm super pumped. I hope it comes soon. Uh, Craft continues to do lots of interesting and cool stuff and I like the app very much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of emoji related things to talk about. Mike, do you want to tell us about your campaign for Weird Fish? Okay, so... It is World Emoji Day on the 17th of July, so that's this coming Saturday. In the lead up to World Emoji Day, uh, Emojipedia has done this for a few years, a thing called the Emoji Awards. And this seems this is a publicly voted competition to choose the emoji of the year. And this is based on usage statistics. So it's like there are there are awards that are given out by the emoji awards but then there's also this kind of like public vote one it's i think it's called most popular emoji it's the most 2021 emoji is what they're calling it my apologies so there's like brackets and it's like you know we're talking roller coaster dna broken heart the um syringe uh face with mask but one of them is our very favorite emoji the microbe emoji known as the weird fish emoji to connected yes. listeners Yes. We have gotten it into the semi-final. We, <laughs> we were tweeting about it. It's currently in a three-way face-off as we're speaking right now. And there's just five hours left on this vote. So by the time this is out, you may not have heard it, but there's still point for me to talk about this. It's in a three-way face-off against the smiling face of Tear and face of Medical Mask. Currently, Microbe is ahead because the three of us have been tweeting about it all day yes. with 39.8% of the vote. Yes. If it wins, which hopefully it will, this Twitter account will then be putting it off in a final match against 
is the syringe emoji, which definitely feels like odds are stacked against it. So the passionate ones, connected listeners, click the link in the show notes. Go to the tweet and vote if you can. Otherwise, follow this account at Emoji Awards. Put the notifications on for this account because when they tweet to do like the 12 hours or whatever, you got to vote in the final. We are relying on you all to make the weird fish emoji the best emoji of the year. We are putting mm-hmm. our thumb on the scales. Let's bring this one home. It's coming home, I guess. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's coming home. Let's get the weird fish home. That's right. I love when you look at all the quote tweets and replies. It's all just weird fish stuff. The only replies to these tweets, if there are ever, pretty much are just, hey, weird fish. So, come on. (laughs) Thankfully, it's part of the Emojipedia empire, so Jeremy knows what all these tweets mean. (laughs) Oh, I have no doubt that Jeremy is aware that we're doing this. I was actually talking to him today about the uh, Emojipedia um, showing off the emoji. Uh, but he didn't mention this. I'm sure he's... Well, I don't know if he's aware because Emojipedia is now an empire which is quite vast. And Jeremy is not doing this. He has people that does this stuff for him. I don't mm. know if he knows that we're putting our thumbs on the scales, but he probably does by now. So uh, we're exerting our influence here. Come on, let's bring it home. We are rigging these elections, basically. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, you know, well, We're just advertising for a certain side. We are... We are we are basically Russia right now. Uh, That's what we're doing. We're the Russia of podcasts. Is that what I don't like yeah. any of this. Well. I just like to think <laughs> that, you know, it's a free and open voting. And we would just like to encourage that people vote in a very specific <laughs> way. Okay. But go vote for the weird fish, obviously. Yes. Please vote for the weird fish. That's right. If if and make sure it gets into the final. In fact, if you vote for the weird fish, you're gonna hear even more details from this podcast. You're gonna get better audio quality if you vote for the weird fish. If you don't know that joke, go check out relay.fm slash connected slash two one two. That is a episode called Nano Hippo, where Weird Fish was born. This was the Jeremy's before the Jeremy's, right? Yes, is before they had the yeah. name. Yep. Yeah. Okay, up next, you mentioned that Emojipedia was showing off Emoji version 14.0, which will be the next set of Emoji that we should see. This is a uh, a draft. It could change. This is what will become the Jeremy's in the future, the game where Federico has to pick the name of Emoji based on the images. So uh, Federico has not looked at this list. He cannot look at this list. I've seen screenshots. I've tried not to look too much at Mm -hmm. screenshots, but I can tell you John, one true John, sent me a draft for uh, our article. I did not read the draft. So stay true to my mission. I don't want to know anything about this emoji. Until it's time. It's a little unknown when we're going to get these. So I can give a little bit of background, having spoken to Mr. Emoji himself today. Because of the, there was like some delays in the process, usually about this point, they would be showing off and like you know, tech companies and stuff would be showing off, hey, these are some of the, like Apple have done this in the past, I think, like uh, Microsoft and others. These are what the Emoji are going to look like on our platforms later in the year. But because of COVID, it got delayed. And so what we're seeing right now, this is the draft for voting on and things could change still. So some of these emojis may not actually exist. So it's probably unlikely that we're going to see many companies implement this until much later in the process. Like it's not going to be 
in 2021. It's probably going to be sometime in the first half of 2022 before we start to see these emoji uh, appear. And the ones that we're seeing from the Emojipedia mockups, not all of these emoji could actually be included in the final mm. version. Because this is like a draft. It's not yeah, the this final is a draft. Li- exactly. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of where the consortium is right now, but they still haven't had the final vote, which would have been done by now. And when it comes around to this time of the year, everyone would kind of know and would have started working on them. But we're a few months behind now because COVID ruins everything, including emoji. Just uh, a quick reminder that the 2022 Apple hardware calendar, my Kickstarter, is still going. We're about halfway through right now and uh, sitting at about 800 backers. Thank you all who backed it and supported it after the last episode. If you haven't checked it out, there's a link in the show notes. I'd love to have you, uh, you know, put up one of these sweet calendars in your house uh, for, for 2022 later this year. So go check it out. You're doing stickers though, right? I am doing stickers. So the top tier, uh, which is named Get It All, is the digital wallpaper pack, the 4x6 prints, the wall calendar, and some stickers. So I'm working with a designer on those. Not quite ready to show them off yet, but they are really, really cool. Y'all have seen the drafts. Uh, I'll share them uh, in an update on the Kickstarter page as soon as I can. But I'm very excited about them. And it's the only way these stickers will go into the world. So it's only through this Kickstarter campaign. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Instabug. Building mobile apps presents challenges. Bugs, crashes, and performance issues can be a nightmare for developers. But what if you could not only detect all these issues, but understand the quality of your app from your user's point of view? Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights you need to build quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback, all in one SDK. With Instabug, you continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users. You can engage with your users by letting them report issues and questions from right inside the app. Get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, and other issues, and fix those in record time, all with a focus on privacy and security. The best part is you don't have to worry about the hassle of switching to some new toolset. It only takes a minute to integrate Instabug into your app, and it fits right within your workflow with support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, and Zendesk, or wherever else you handle your issues. So join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who are using Instabug to ship high-quality apps. Go to try.instabug.com connected. That's try.instabug.com connected. There's also a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Instabug for their support of the show and RelayFM. All right, Federico, your favorite text editor is now available for everyone on your favorite platform. Yes, uh, you're talking about Obsidian, uh, which launched on iPhone and iPad a few days ago. Um, and I'm really happy. So this has been in beta for the past few months. I switched to Obsidian uh, three, four months ago, as soon as the, the mobile beta opened up. And uh, I don't know where to begin by talking about this on the podcast. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to open it up to question from you guys in a minute. But I just want to say that right now I don't have... So I thought, look, I'm not going to have time to do like a proper in-depth, you know, teaching style review on Mac Stories because I'm working on the iOS and iPadOS review. 
and and a few other things. Um, so I thought I am gonna do this in installments for mm, Club Max Stories members. So mm-hmm. as of uh, tomorrow on Friday, I will publish the first in a series that I don't know how many <laughs> how many parts of this series there will be. But I'm gonna do like the first uh, installment of this deep dive into my Obsidian setup, starting from the very basics with Sync and what what the difference between core and community plugins, uh, how you should get started with settings, how you sh- whether you should store your documents in iCloud Drive or local storage, you know all the the, the basics. And I have a long list of things I want to cover, like the third-party plugins that I use, and how I set up keyboard shortcuts on my iPad, how I deal with multiple notes at the same time, you know, all the, and the custom plugins that we are making with, with, the, with the one true son. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, that's going to be for Club Max Stories members. I don't know how long it'll last, probably until September. I don't know. Yeah. But I will also be making shortcuts for Obsidian eventually. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing on the club, and uh, I don't know what what do you guys want to know. I I know the the big thing with Obsidian on the desktop is that it's completely customizable. You can change the UI, you can add all these plugins and stuff. How much of that has carried over to iOS? All of it. the 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 iPhone and iPad app is um, essentially a. a an exact replica of what you can do on the Mac uh, and PC and Linux, I believe. There's also Obsidian for Linux. Yes, I think so. There's, yeah, so th- there's a few differences, obviously. Um, the big one, I feel, is you cannot enter the developer mode. So on desktop, because Obsidian is an Electron app, it's basically based on web technologies, uh, you can inspect the entire UI of Obsidian with the same web inspector you would use in Safari or Google Chrome. <laughs> and that's what, you, that's what you use for making like plugins or custom CSS snippets, right? You want to inspect how the UI is made and then you can make your own snippet uh, for customizing the interface. So that's not available on iPhone and iPad. Everything else is there. So you can install the there's the core plugins, which would be the built-in plugins made by the Obsidian developers. There's the community plugins. So community plugins, there's a built-in directory where you can find hundreds of um, plugins made by third-party developers that the Obsidian community officially sort of uh, vetted and allowed in the directory, but you can also install your own. So if you have a folder with a plugin, you can install your own files, like I do with the plugins that Finn makes for me. Um, It's a little more involved on iOS and iPadOS to do this manual installation. There's shortcuts that can help you with that because you got to install these files in a hidden folder. So there's a few, I've made a few shortcuts. You can find them in the Obsidian forums, actually. I posted them there. But everything else is there, like the same hotkeys. You can install custom themes. You can make your own custom theme. You can install CSS snippets to modify little bits of the UI. Uh, You can do everything you can do on desktop, and it's pretty incredible. 
I feel like this kind of app would have not been possible years ago. But then, you know, three, four years ago when Apple sort of lifted their restrictions on mm. this kind of apps, you know, remember there was a big controversy with Pythonista and editorial and how uh, you were not allowed to share code, basically, with other users. That's long been possible now, so it's totally fine. Also, these plugins that you install in Obsidian, they are basically like CSS, HTML, and JavaScript files. And there's plenty of JavaScript apps on iOS, and there's plenty of CSS and HTML editors on iOS. Uh, And of course, everything is sandboxed. So if you want to get access to the clipboard, you're going to get a permission uh, dialog. If you want to get access to your photos, you're going to get a permission dialog on iOS. So yeah, it's it's the same Obsidian that, that you have on the Mac. And in fact... Now, if you with, with Obsidian Sync, if you pay for the Sync add-on, which is, a, I believe, a $4 a month uh, subscription, um, you can sync your settings between devices. It used to be that settings uh, were platform-specific. As of a couple of weeks ago, there's support for syncing your, not just your settings, uh, but also your hotkeys, uh, your themes your plugins. You can even sync your plugins between devices. So you don't have to, you know, on the iPhone, go there and manually reinstall one by one all the plugins that you previously installed on the Mac. Uh, You can sync those. So yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive. Right now I am... So I'm doing everything in Obsidian. Like, it's my note-taking app and it's my uh, my writing app. And it's been that way for the past uh, three, four months. There's a few things in Apple Notes in iPadOS 15 uh, that are really tempting right now, like uh, QuickNote, for example. But like I tried to use QuickNote for a week instead of the system that I have in Obsidian for uh, saving you know, links and, and QuickNotes. And it's really impressive. Like the, the big advantage of QuickNote is that it's system-wide, right? And in, you can trigger it anywhere with a swipe from the corner of the screen or a keyboard shortcut but the thing is then when i'm when i'm in the notes app i really miss everything else from obsidian like the quick switcher for example how in obsidian you can type command o and you can instantly navigate to any other file in your database and craft as something similar right where you can hit command o and you have this quick switcher that lets you move between notes i feel like that kind of interaction has become really popular in third-party note-taking apps and notes doesn't have it and i also miss like in obsidian i can split the ui in multiple uh multiple panes right so i can have two three four five notes open at the same time Uh, and obviously that kind of layout is more useful on a mac where you especially if you have a desktop mac with a large uh, display attached but still I can I could do that with multi-window in Apple Notes, but it wouldn't be as easy or as keyboard-centric as it is in Obsidian. So all that to say, I'm really fast in Obsidian. Like I can work really fast and I can switch between my workspaces and between my notes really quickly. And so uh, th- that sort of speed and keyboard-focused approach and the plugins... I'm not really that that much into the visual customization. 
I prefer to use Obsidian with the default theme. Oh, that's interesting. I feel like you've always used like different fonts and stuff in like apps like IA Writer and stuff like that. Yes. Considering you can do it, why haven't you? Uh, I've had I had issues like a like a couple of months ago when I tried to install SF Mono. Uh, I wanted to I, I would like to use SF SF Mono as my editing font in Obsidian, but it it wasn't working and I just didn't want to waste any more time on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 default UI. I mean, Obsidian is weird in places, right? We've talked about this before. It's a it's an Electron app. It's. Well, I was gonna ask you if it feels like an iOS app. No, <laughs> it doesn't. And you're it feels cool like with Obsidian. that? Yeah, yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Initially, like it took me a while, especially because the beta, the mobile beta, at first was really rough. Mm. Um, n- you just gotta accept that when you open Obsidian, it's like its own little world. Right, it's like its own little planet where things are different. And uh, I should also say that you know, you hear Obsidian, you probably think of like people showing off these screenshots of these graph views, mm-hmm. you know, with thousands of notes with the with the connections between them, and that's cool, right? A lot of uh, a lot of academics, a lot of programmers, a lot of. Uh, um, University professors, for example, use Obsidian, and they have th- libraries with thousands of notes, and and they use backlinks and all that kind of stuff. I don't like I, I I have the graph view disabled. I use backlinks a lot, but I don't I do not backlink every single thing in Obsidian, and it's totally fine. Like uh, and that to me is like the what I really appreciate about about this app that some core functionalities you can just disable if you don't care about them. Um, the plugin system is, extends to the built-in features of the app as well. And if you mm-hmm. do not want them, you can just turn them off and it's fine. And Obsidian keeps working the same way. But it's just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta accept that it looks a bit weird and some there's a few visual glitches, but what it lacks in that sort of native um, feel, it totally makes up for in, in raw functionality and speed. It's really, really fast in switching between notes and loading hundreds of notes. And because everything is based on a folder in, in Finder or the Files app, you can go wild in terms of uh, shortcuts that you can build, right? Especially mm-hmm. in iOS uh, and iPadOS 15 with the new files actions. Um, I have shortcuts to save image attachments uh, into Obsidian. I have shortcuts to compile my iOS review. Um, and it's that combination of there's plugins in Obsidian, but there's also automation outside of Obsidian. Uh, and the same is true on the Mac, where you can use Apple Script, you can use shortcuts in Monterey. Um, all kinds of automation that deals with the Finder up extends to Obsidian as well. Because at the end of the day, it's just a, a front end for a folder in your file manager. You got to stop me because otherwise I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> I don't know what I would use this application for. Like, I can see that people really love it. And like, I know so many people now who are like all in on it big time. I have no use. I don't think I have a use for it. If someone could tell me what that use would be, maybe I'll check it out. But I just, I just don't think this, this is for me. But I can see its power, and I, you know, I know enough really smart people who want to use this application and find it to be like 
like nothing they've ever used before. But I just don't really think it's my my scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, I really feel like it's its core audience is the sort of uh, writer or academic type mm-hmm. user. You know, like for you can use it for general note taking, but I feel like it's still people who write for a living or have to produce essays or papers or mm-hmm. have to organize all this research material. That's the core audience of the app. And I feel like everybody else is, you know, pretty doing pretty okay with notes, which is really like notes is a really great note taking app, but also craft if you're looking for a more flexible version of notes. Yeah. I mean, and people are super into like Notion and Rome and there's something they're really, it feels like with this kind of stuff now, there is something for everyone. Yes. Yeah. You just got to find your bliss. Yeah. It's like the, the email clients of a few years ago, right? When suddenly one of these markets uh, explodes for whatever reason, and you have a lot of, choice to you know to, with different options for different kinds of users and obsidian is if you're the type of person who writes in markdown and really really likes markdown and used to appreciate the flexibility of sublime text a few years ago and have always been looking for this customizable markdown text editor mm-hmm. uh, this is the app for you that's how I would summarize it. If you're a Markdown person that enjoys customization, this is the the thing you've been looking for. It's all coming up Federico this week, though, right? You finally got your battery pack. <laughs> I Yes, I did. And I'm, it's coming on Monday? No, probably later than that. Maybe Tuesday wow. or Wednesday. Spoilers. Stephen, yeah. what is the MagSafe battery pack? It is a little backpack. <laughs> little it Mag is like a little backpack. It is. Yeah. Oh my god! Now I want it. It's a <laughs> it's a magnetic fanny pack for your phone. Oh my god! Don't say that. It it charges at five watts, which we can talk about. But it's not a case like the the previous Mag uh, iPhone battery cases. You know that had like the internal lightning port, and it was like an actual case with sides in the back. This is just a battery wrapped in Apple's soft touch material that clicks onto the back of your iPhone 12. I love it. I just this is the thing I wanted, and and they did it. Um, I think it's so weird. Why? Why? I think this product's really weird. And it, it not, it's the obvious product to make. It's just like peculiar to me. So, charges at five watts, yeah. super slow. Um, I would be really intrigued to know what it's like in in use. Like you know, like is it possible to to drain faster than it can charge i don't know i don't think that uh, an iphone can really do that much like maybe if you're watching video but probably not but five watts is slow it's the first product to do reverse charging this is a really interesting tidbit that the verge picked up i saw there first anyway so you can charge the battery pack if you pull if you attach it to your iphone and plug a lightning cable into your iPhone. It charges both your phone and the battery pack. So this is the first accessory that has got reverse Mag- MagSafe charging from Apple, which is the thing that was suggested c- would be possible after these phones came out, 
and I think Apple applied for regulatory approval for accessories to be charged via MagSafe. And this is the first one to do that. I find that interesting. And you can do it both ways. You can either plug into the battery and it will charge the battery and then the phone or, or vice versa. Um, the battery seems small. It's apparently uh, 1460 milliamp hours. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, it will be uh, a full charge for a mini, but a partial charge for everything else, which I believe is different to how the the cases have been in the past. They feel like they've been much bigger batteries um, in the iPhone cases than these. Also, maybe I'm just like continuing to like beat a dead horse here on this one, but I think in the Apple support article, they reference how a 20-watt power adapter will make sure that you can charge the MagSafe battery pack on your iPhone even faster, which is something Apple never gives you, right? And uh, I'm never going to get over that. It annoys me so much. People that really want this product and in on the MagSafe life is probably great. I'm sure Federico's going to have three of them. He'll keep them in a bag and he'll just be like, like he's got a drone out there. You know, that's what drone people do. They take all their extra batteries. And, and I actually like it for that, right? You could have a couple even though they're a hundred dollars uh, <laughs> and you could attach them and it seems cool but i just think that this is um this product has some eccentricities and i think is also maybe in some ways not as good as the previous version right in the fact that the battery is like smaller and stuff but it is maybe more convenient i don't know i'll tell you why this is the perfect accessory for me Please tell me. I'm really into the MagSafe lifestyle, right? Um, I have a MagSafe um, uh, phone holder in my car, and I'm a huge, huge MagSafe wallet user. Like, I use it all the time. It's th That little thing changed my life, honestly, over the past year. Um, just because I don't have to carry my wallet anymore, I don't have to ask Sylvia to, to um, take my wallet and put it in her purse. It's incredible. Now that I'm going to the beach, right? It's the summer we go to the beach. And the iPhone, uh, the battery, it, it depletes much more quickly because it's trying to find the signal and it's struggling with 4G. And we take a lot of videos and photos at the beach, which means, you know, it's 6 p.m. and I have, you know, 10 or 15% left. What I can do now is I can take this little MagSafe battery with me at the beach, throw it in a backpack or something. And when it's time, I can swap my wallet with the MagSafe battery, get enough charge, and then put it back in the backpack and attach my wallet again. So it's like this little, it's like a modular setup that I have with my iPhone. I can attach different accessories depending on what I need. Like uh, we need to go to the to the little um, coffee place on the beach to to grab an espresso. Great, I can detach the battery again and attach my wallet back in. And I really like this. Like this is gonna be so good for me. Honestly, I really love it. And I, actually, I kind of wish that that you <laughs> kind of wish that you could stack multiple MagSafe accessories. Like, imagine if I could do iPhone battery and then wallet. Have like a little. Ma Can the wallet not attach to the battery then? I don't know. I don't know. Can okay. you, I, I would like to do this little like MagSafe uh, battery sandwich, if you will, <laughs> with like the iPhone, the battery, and the wallet on top. I don't think MagSafe supports stacking. Apparently, you can do phone case battery. Yeah, you can do phone case wallet. I imagine you will be able to do phone case battery. Yeah. 
But the problem is, I don't think the battery is going to have a MagSafe attachment on the outer side. Because it would have to have the little ring on it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's wallet goes in pocket, battery goes on phone. What I what I really wanted is, I don't need a huge battery, right? I just need to make sure that I can come back home and my phone isn't dead. And so if I could get it up to 30 or 40% again, great. That's all I need. Um, I have a little battery, battery that I can attach to my iPhone for emergencies, basically. Um, and yeah, MagSafe, all the things. I'm in theory, remember how months ago we talked about how I pre-ordered the PopSocket MagSafe line of accessories? Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, those in theory, let me check in parcel. Uh, those in theory are coming at some point. So the last I heard... Let's see, what are they? Arrived at terminal location in Frankfurt, in Germany, uh, three days ago. You have them just in time for when the battery arrives. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. I'm intrigued to get the Federico review of the, of the magnetic pop socket. Yeah, it's going to be fun, I think. We could talk about, the, about that on the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, but man, the battery. I really want this battery. I cannot wait. Shame though about the single color. I would have liked. Yeah, to I was going to say, colors. what do you think about white? What do you think about white? It's fine. It's fine. I think it goes well with my gold iPhone red case combo. So I'm going to have gold, red, white. I think that's going to look nice. I would have liked to see a red, like more colors. Honestly, like I would have liked to see more options there as well. Like I'm fine with it. Oh, I should mention this thing that. We've been talking about the beach. There's one thing that has been annoying me about Twitter lately. Well, I guess okay. no, there's many, <laughs> this there's, is. I'm not also sure where this is. That would take a lot of hold steps. On, that hold one on, did. Hold on. Yeah. All so right. there's a, there's a lot of things that annoy me about people in general. Yeah. And 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 people <laughs> sure. on Twitter especially, <laughs> right? But there's one thing that's been happening a lot this summer. People who appear to get upset. If you say that you use an iPhone at the beach, oh like my every God, time, yes, every single time, I've been seeing I, this too. I think mostly it's tweets to you. <laughs> yes, like oh, what are you gonna enjoy your iPhone covered in sand? I don't know if these people have ever seen sand or touched sand, or maybe they think of sand as like this dangerous thing, but it's like literally little pieces of stone and ground and glass whatever like it's totally fine you can just blow it away or use your hand to remove it and modern iphones are like dustproof and waterproof and nothing happens also i really don't understand here's the other thing why do people care about what you do with your phone it's the tone of the tweet with you know with the you know when they attach the the emoji and the faces to that like sometimes people complain about that and they attach an eye roll to the to to the tweet it's like why are you so annoyed that i anyway it's totally fine to use an iphone at the beach like it's said so. i'm not so precious about like oh no i'm at the beach i guess i'm back to being a primitive person i cannot use an iphone anymore <laughs> no it's it's okay anyway 
Back to nature, no fun for you. Back to nature, I'm one with nature. This, is, this reminds me of my, my current campaign to say to people, if you want to install the beta, install the beta. I like that. This is my campaign. I, I, I can't stand this like, oh, don't install it on your phone. Like, just let people do what they want. People can do whatever they want. We should do whatever we want to do. Like, we cannot use certain expressions on this show. Uh, but yeah, do whatever you want. It's fine. You want to live dangerously? Go do that. It's funny. Someone emailed me wondering why I would have gone like waterfall, cliff jumping type thing with an Apple Watch on. I was like, because I've been hiking for four hours. Like <laughs> these things aren't, I mean, they're expensive. And I would say these things all apply to everyone except Stephen because he doesn't stop breaking things. Stephen, Stephen's not allowed to do anything. I can't take my phone <laughs> to the beach. You can't. You can't take your phone anywhere. You got to bubble wrap it and leave it at home. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in like a, a shoebox lined with blankets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ordered a battery pack too. I'm a little sad it's just white, but I think it's going to be great for days of travel. You know, small, just use it when you need it. If you need a bigger battery with more power, there's lots of options. But for what this is, I'm really excited. Maybe just all Apple accessories are going to be white again. Oh, I hope not. How's the white keyboard holding up? Don't, don't one of y'all have the white keyboard? What white keyboard? Oh, the magic keyboard. Oh, oh yeah, it's oh, gross. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I've been I've been cleaning it, but there's like uh, damage has been done to that keyboard. And uh, to be yeah, fair, it's... though, the black one gets gross as well, but just in yeah. its own way. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the dark one I feel is like easy to clean. I, I, the white one, like if it stains. Yeah, it, it does. It really does. All right. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out iPad Pro 2022 Silver Magic Keyboard. It would yeah. really look like a laptop at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but still material? Like, it wouldn't be metal, right? No, no. Just it's actual color. silver. <laughs> Very <laughs> <Yes>. heavy. <laughs> mm. uh, hear me out. Range of colors. Yes. It's even better. I want a blue one or an I orange a, one. I want a red one. one. Red. Wants a red one. Key, yes. Oh, See, we should be in charge of design at Apple. I keep saying this. We're going to get to design at Apple in a minute. Don't worry. Mm. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's take a break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Kick off your summer in style with a brand that's reinventing men's basics, Mac Weldon. They're so much more than just underwear. They have a full collection that includes t-shirts, polos, button-ups, shorts, pants, swims, which I've been told are swim trunks, and so much more. With light and breathable fabric technology, Mack Weldon keeps you cool and comfortable all summer. From work and working out to happy hour or playing with the kids, Mack Weldon has men's essentials for whatever your day includes. I've got a bunch of Mack Weldon stuff. I really like their shorts. Shorts are a complicated thing. It's hard to get a good pair of shorts. Mack Weldon has really nailed it. They're comfortable, they're functional, and they hold up great. So dive into Mack Weldon's swim line with trunk and board short options that are quick to dry and have four-way stretch fabric. When you're not in the pool, Mack Weldon's new Maverick Tech Chino short and Radius short are the perfect additions to your summer wardrobe. Mack Weldon also has a free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life, and when you reach level 2 by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. 
Stay cool this summer and look great while doing it with all the new collections of mini essentials from Mack Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash connected and enter the promo code connected to get 20% off. That's MacWeldon.com slash connected and the promo code connected. Mack Weldon is reinventing men's basics. Our thanks to Mack Weldon for their support of the show and Relay FM. Beta free. Th- oh my God, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, now is the end of my. I've spoken about earlier in the episode. I have now reached the maximum amount of words <laughs> I can speak as a human. <laughs> I'm done. Peace out. Uh, well, Stephen. Beta three is here. Yeah. Um. Uh, came out on the 14th. I think a little bit later than people thought it would be here. But it brings some changes. Of course, the first thing everyone looks at is Safari. So, Federico, tell me about uh, the changes to Safari 15. Okay. So, um, iOS first. So, the iPhone version of Safari, we talked about it before. It's being criticized a lot. In fact, I was talking about this with John. I don't think I've seen a single positive take on the new Safari in all of the first impression stories that came out when the public beta was released. Like, I've I've read all the articles that came out on that day. I don't think anyone, literally anyone, had a positive thing to say about the the new design. Uh, So Apple is trying, is listening to feedback, thankfully, and they are iterating on this design. Um, On, in the iPhone version, so uh, the, the, they're keeping the floating top bar at the bottom of the screen with the reachable controls. But now they got rid of what was one of the key problems of the original design, which is when you tapped the floating top bar at the bottom, the address bar would shoot all the way to the top of the screen. <laughs> In yeah. this new design, it's with, like with, you're and tapping it, a, And it would hide whatever you were looking at. So... It would just be like, in my case, I use dark mode. It would just be that gray and it would like float to the top of the screen. It's like, where are you going, buddy? Stay with me. So now what happens is uh, you still have the floating bar at the bottom, but when you tap it, it doesn't go to the top. It stays sort of docked above the keyboard. So it's, I feel like it's easier to keep your sort of your, your eyesight focused on like the same area of mm-hmm. the screen, right? So you tap at the bottom and you can continue looking at the bottom, which it's one of the things that we suggested on the show and Apple did exactly that. Yeah, it brings it in line with how messages works. Exactly, yes. Uh, they, so they're keeping the floating bar for now. Uh, they, I feel like they made it a little smaller not that smaller, just a little. I think I feel like it's easier now to see that you have um, ta- like adjacent adjacent tabs on left and uh, on the left and on the right, because I feel like Apple really wants to sell users on the idea that now it's easier to um, swipe between tabs as well as to open a new tab by swiping to the left. So they're making that smaller so that you can see more, like you can see the beginning of the other tab on the other side. Uh, now, w- they also redesigned the um, sort of the what you see when you're typing in the address bar. So the design of the top hits and the Google search suggestions 
uh, that has a new design that's got more icons. It's nicer than before. Now, this new design on iPhone does not fix the other prob problems that we mentioned, uh, such as, you know, you're going from two toolbars in iOS 14 to a single toolbar. You have to cut, you have to hide some controls. And Apple is not changing that for now. Now, I feel like Beta 3 is the first step in Apple's sort of walking back some decisions for the new Safari, but the reload button is still not shown by default. Now, if you want to reload the page and you do not want to use pull to refresh, uh, you can long press on the address bar to see a reload button. All those other buttons that were shown at all times before, they are still hidden by default in the iPhone design. Now, before I let you cover the Mac version, Stephen, the iPad. So, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we said uh, of the new of all the new versions of of Safari, the iPad is the best one because it like it strikes this balance between the iPhone and Mac versions. Now, I don't know what they did in iPadOS 15 Beta 3, but I feel like the iPad version is now the worst one of the bunch. Um, they made tabs a little wider, but not that much wider, really. But they added all these new animations when you scroll tabs, when you click them, when you open a tab. Now, sometimes it opens to the right, sometimes it doesn't. When you open a link from a website in the background, like you select a link and you do opening background, sometimes it opens next to the current tab, other times it doesn't. And every time, and, and there's, all, there's like all these animations, like these tabs flying around. It's a really bad design. And I feel like this is a temporary thing because I truly believe that Apple will bring the same setting that they brought to Monterey Beta 3 to iPadOS, maybe in Beta 4 already. Uh, I um, I have something to say. Oh, yeah, you're back. I, I didn't really want to talk, but I felt like it was probably the time to say something. Uh, in an article, in a link article to, to an interview that he was on, John Gruber said that similar changes are coming to the iPad. So on the Mac, they have separated the tab bar and the address bar again, like it is in the current version of Safari, Safari 14. Is that by default? Yes. Okay. Uh, you can still turn on or off the effect where the web page colors the UI of the Safari. So the links on 512, that's on. So you can see the relay color, the slate color, filling up the all the, the browser. But these tabs are really weird. And I, I sort of agree. I don't think this is final because... They're really ugly on the Mac, especially if you only have one open and it's like spans the whole width of the window. And they look just like the iPad ones, which of course are touchable and you can't touch things on the Mac. Yeah. And so I think that we will probably see more a more traditional tab design hopefully come to the Mac. But the weirdest thing, and Stephen Trout Smith pointed this out on Twitter, and he's totally right. The Order top to bottom is address bar, tabs, and then your favorites. And what every browser ever what? has had 
tabs closest to the content and you have your bookmarks in between the address bar and the tabs. And so it breaks the illusion that the tabs are connected to the content, even though the content affects the color of the tab and the whole browser. It's just like things are just in the wrong order. It just feels really rushed. And I expect to see that change in beta four, but it's better. It's a lot better actually having like a regular address bar again, but there's some other stuff they need to clean up. So what they did on the Mac is the old design with the separate address bar and tab is the default again. And if you want, there's an optional setting to use the compact version of it, which is the the one we did not like. So on the Mac, they reverted the design to the old one by default. So I feel like this is going to happen on iPad as well, but I feel like the opposite is going to happen on iPhone. I get the sense that Apple is really proud of this floating bar at the bottom. So my working theory right now is that they're going to do this on macOS and iPadOS. The old design is going to be the default one. If you want, you can enable the compact design. On iPhone, the compact design is going to be the default one. And if you want, I think they're going to bring back some settings that you can optionally uh, enable. Yeah. And even then, it's not really the old design. It's like the the separation of the address bar and the tabs yeah. but the rest of it is still like new and janky it's better on the mac it's definitely better and I, but i just hope they continue working because they're not there yet and i really don't understand like those tabs on monterey like why do they look like buttons why do, they look like the address bar <laughs> they <Why>? do it's <laughs> yeah again i think this is as why i took screenshots of them too I really feel and hope that this is some sort of intermediate design on the yeah, Mac yeah. and that there's there's more to do because it, there's more to do. Um, they brought the permanent share button back. They did. Which is big stuff, important big, stuff. Big, big, big change. Important change. Okay. So obviously, you know, redesigns in general, whether like you have a website or like you're redesigning your blog, whatever, like redesigning something, you're going to upset some people, right? Now, the thing is, I feel like some things in in the computing world were tried uh, multiple times in the past by a lot of really smart people. And eventually we landed on some key concepts that are the, not a perfect but the easiest representation of that idea for most people. Like, look at folders in a file manager. Like, it's not an ideal way to think about documents, but people can navigate around those, right? And Apple tried years ago to do away with the file manager, like in the old days of iOS and iPadOS, and eventually they they did a file manager. Like... There are some key ideas in computing that were tried in the past, did not work out, and eventually we landed on like this, um, some sort of core designs that tend to work for the majority of people. And I feel like in web browsers, there's a lot of innovation that can happen, but some 
key ideas, like there's the address bar and there's tabs, and those are separate. Like, I feel like that is a really strong metaphor for a lot of people. Because when you think about it, like, it's all so weird, right? Like, how, what is what is a website when you think about it? Like, <laughs> oh, no. what is like what is the title oh, and Here the URL? So, like, we landed on this representation of navigating the web, right? That sort of makes sense. You can see a tab and you can see the URL. And if you change the URL, it changes the tab. And below the tab, you see the page. Like, and this is a concept that it's sort of ingrained in our brains by now. And so you go change that, it just causes a lot of trouble, right? It just causes a lot of issues. It's like, imagine if, I don't know, imagine if I told you, you no longer drink water using a glass. Now you drink water using a balloon. It's like, wait, what, what, why? Like, I, I grew up, drinking water from a glass like no this is a much better way now we're changing the whole game it's like but the glass was easier like i'm used to the glass and it's like nope now you fill the balloon and then you drink water from the balloon it's like okay it's kind of not as comfortable as before but i'll do what you tell me to do and then people complain about it and you go back to the glass you right? can get one-handed functionality of a balloon we all know this sure <laughs> it's but, easy. you know so i feel like browsers pull to refresh sure if you pull the balloon you will be refreshed sure look sorry there's a lot of things that you can do that you can innovate around the main ui of a browser like you Mm -hmm. look at firefox you look at edge i think edge is doing vertical tabs now right and firefox has them too but it's an option it's an option if you Mm -hmm. like it you can use it right I feel like we are going to it, it it like I sort of applaud Apple for trying to do things a different way but sometimes you got to wonder are you doing it differently because it's there's a certain kind of pleasure in attempting a re- revolutionizing design rather than like the practicality of it you know I don't know well, we'll find out because the process ain't over yet. Yeah, I think we're going to see more changes. Um, this is the first step in a finding a middle ground that works for everybody. Uh, and again, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good like there's a lot of good about the reachable design on iPhone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, if that, and I think that will remain right, and a lot of people are going to use that. But there's also an, a, a lot of valid arguments in favor of, look, I just want to have controls visible at all times. I don't want to tap into submenus. I don't want a long press to find hidden options. I just want to have buttons in front of me. And I have to wonder if maybe part of the problem is this sort of campaign um, inside of Apple against buttons being visible at all times. And I don't understand why. Like, a button never killed anybody, right? Um, (laughs) It's 
And I don't those, know if that's technically true. Well, I mean, you think about nuclear nuclear buttons and like launching, you know, rockets. Sure, mm-hmm. but like in in user interfaces, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, it, you know, they do have this this movement happening with an Apple. The thing I just thought about as you were talking is we mentioned last week that how weird it is that especially on the iPhone, Safari is the only thing that looks and acts this way. I guess other than messages, which is kind of similar. But everywhere else, the text box is just where the text box is and the keyboard comes up and you type and that's it. If they had really redone iOS to be more bottom centric and not have all this stuff at the top of the screen anymore, they would not be walking Safari back the way that they are because the whole OS would have been that way. And I I wonder if that was the plan to move iOS in more of this direction over time, what those plans are after they've seen how people respond to this. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And it also reminds me how I think it's kind of ironic how uh, one of the sessions at WWDC this year was about discoverable design. Um, one of the many changes in, in, in Swift UI is all these new controls that you have as a developer for making buttons. Uh, you can now make text-only buttons. You can make buttons that have a shape. You can choose between different colors. You can mix and match SF symbols and, and labels, right? I don't know. I guess I'm a, I'm a big fan of buttons, and I don't understand this crusade against them. Um, I don't really think it's that it's that more convenient to say, oh, yeah, this functionality is here. You just need to long press on this little thing that does not really tell you you can long press it and you will discover it. So what is good, though, is that Apple is listening and and that the Safari team is listening and they are changing things quickly, right? Um, So we'll see. I think it's going to be a long beta cycle for Safari. Uh, In fact, there's really nothing else in beta 3 for other apps. It's pretty much set. Like there's SharePlay and QuickNote and uh, Focus, right? It's only Safari that is changing at this point. And I feel like it's going to be a long cycle for that. It's all hands on deck for Safari. That's why. They're pulling in people from everywhere. Yeah. Federico's mad. We've got to overhaul Safari. Come yeah, on, guys. Well, They're bringing them me. all in. Shut, like locking down the building. You know who's mad? Like, you know who's mad? Sylvia is mad. Sylvia is. Well, then, there you go. A by addition. I showed her the new Safari, and she was like, what is this? Well, I cannot use certain words on the show. Uh, but, yeah, but she's, she's really mad. She's upset. She doesn't like it. She said it's a, she said it's a tragedy. Um, it, no, she said it's a disaster. Like, if they launch Ooh, this, I it's like a disaster. That. Yeah. So, and she has really good eye, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's with she me. She picked so. you. Yeah. So, hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> they got to keep it from staying sad fari. What is what is going on with you today? Is it because of the people outside? You, you think you're being funny? Yeah, he's trying to be funny for the construction work. Are you winking at the people outside? He's like, Steven? hey guys, hey guys, come yeah, listen to like, this one. He mutes himself, right? <laughs> come in, come gather around. He, uses, I say this he uses the mute button. He's like, hey guys, come over here. Come on, I got a good one. I got a good one. <laughs> This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that first big idea for a business or project, where do you go? Where do you start? Well, it starts with a domain name, 
and Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name just waiting for you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy so the bad guys don't get your data, clean UX and UI, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. So it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I have all my domains over at Hover, and when I'm looking for a new one, if I have a new project idea, their tool to search for domain names is really great. You can put some keywords in, it'll suggest things using all those cool top-level domains. There's no place better to start. So buy a domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com slash connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for the support of the show and Relay FM. German lives. What is this? I don't understand why what you are we titled concerned? this topic. This. Something happened to it, it Mark? didn't go away or anything. It's not like... It's no. Not, <laughs> what is this? I don't know. It's like half the Google Doc today is stuff German reported. So let's start with the iPad Mini, the patron saint of the Connected Podcast. I like that. Yeah. German says the upcoming, the upcoming update, as our show notes say, is the iPad Mini's biggest redesign since it launched. It uses the same design. That design that it has started with the iPad Mini and then moved to the iPad Air the next year, still the same. Uh, he says it's going to go up to 8.4 inches on the display. It's currently mm-hmm. 7.9. And that sort of jives with uh, Mike's best friend, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo's report, saying that it would between, be between 8.5 and 9 inches. So I think we're looking about that size. I feel pretty confident that's going to get a little bigger. I mean, I'm intrigued about what, you know, like that, that, that phrase, like the biggest redesign, what is it going to look like? Like just getting a big screen, bigger screen doesn't really feel like a redesign to well, me. Yeah, I mean, he says it'll have no home button and slimmer bezel, so maybe it's going to look like a little iPad Air. This is going to be so good. This, yes, I, I there's a few things that I really want mm-hmm. from from sort of in terms of electronics at this point. This is one of them, like an iPad Mini that looks like a mini iPad Pro. Yes, please. Like this is going to be the perfect reading device for me. There's a whole thing I wanted to talk about, actually. It's not a whole thing. It's a small thing, but it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> what is a thing, really, when you think about it? What is it? Right? I know. Just, there's a whole branch <laughs> so of philosophy about this. I bought a bunch this. of water balloons, and I've been <laughs> filling them up. <laughs> and I'm drinking out of them. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, hear me out. Quick note. As a companion for Safari reading list... Okay, so you save articles in Safari reading list. Uh huh. When you're reading an article, you use QuickNote to highlight passages from the article that you like. Mm-hmm. Later, when you're done, you uh, delete the article from Safari reading list. You archive the QuickNote for the article. You put it in a folder, whatever. If you ever want to revisit the article, you tap one of those special links in Apple Notes, and it takes you back to the article and it shows you all of the highlights that you saved. I feel like the combo reading list and quick note is going to be perfect for people who like to highlight stuff they read on the web. And I'm imagining like this is going to be so sweet with an iPad mini. 
because Quick Note is iPad only. And the iPad mini is going to be great for reading one-handed. And it's also going to be so good if it gets the redesign because you can open Quick Note by swiping from the bottom right corner. It's going to be so good. And this, this potential combo of... Because I've been testing this and it does work as expected. I believe you can also search the, the text for the highlight in Apple Notes. And it's the, I think at this point, the only thing that is sort of a luring me away from Obsidian. Like this, this combination of Safari and Quick Note. Because it's so easy to do. Like you just highlight some text in Safari and you say new Quick Note. There's a button right there. Or if the Quick Note already exists, the button says add to Quick Note. And it appends the selection to the bottom of the Quick Note. And later, if you reopen an article that has a Quick Note uh, stored in Apple Notes, the thumbnail flow, uh, sort of pops in from the bottom of the screen and reminds you, hey, there's a, a bunch of Quick Notes for this article right here. So it's like sort of instant recall for notes, that, uh, highlights and notes that you took while reading. I built an entire system in Obsidian about this using the an, an integration with this web service called Readwise um, that lets me highlight text in Safari using a shortcut, and then those highlights are pulled in with a plugin in Obsidian, and it's fine, it works well, but this version is a lot more visual and a lot more intuitive with reading list and quick note. So maybe I'm going to be using Apple Notes just for this, because it's it's really nice. And ima imagining this with an iPad mini, oh man, it's going to be lovely. But you would be happy with these notes to live in, in notes? As long as I can search them. So I actually filed the feedback about this. So hold on. We're doing this live on the show. Let me open the feedback app. So While we're doing this, I can say I got uh, someone responded to, well, I, my feedback was responded to. I, I had a feedback, which is about indent, outdent. My favorite thing okay. stopped working with uh, on iPad OS with keyboards. It just stopped doing it. Like you'd 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 press uh, you would like press Shift and Tab to outdent, and it would just indent again. And I raised the feedback, and they fixed it. And then they contacted me and said, "Hey, we fixed your feedback." I was like, "Oh, thanks, Apple." So I filed feedback. Uh, so this is FB nine two. Three five five seven one. Results from Quick Notes saved from Safari do not come up in Notes search sometimes because I ran into this bug where uh, the text from the Safari highlight is actually indexed in Apple Notes, but it only appears as a search result if the note is open on the right side of the screen. Otherwise, the, the search result sidebar says zero results. But you can see that it's actually finding the text because if you have the note open, it highlights the text in yellow. So it's indexing the highlight, but it says zero results, which is wrong. So please, if you work on the Safari or Notes team, please fix this. Thank you. To be fair, if it's open on the right-hand side, you don't actually need search because you can just see it. Right, but I was just proving... Just I, I fixed it. I, I needed to prove the point that it was actually indexing the text because you can see the little yellow highlight, <laughs> meaning that it, fi it finds the word I'm looking for. So, if this is fixed, 
and search works, I think I'm going to be using Apple Notes just for this. I mean, I use Apple Notes for like private documents uh, that I can lock with Face ID. Uh, but yeah, I guess I could use it for this one. Anyway, I'm sorry. We were talking about the iPad mini. It's going to be great. Yes. Maybe later this year. Maybe. German also touched on the bigger iMac, which is still underway, but not for 2020. Remember in the lead up to the M1 iMac around that time, there was rumors saying that Apple had put aside the larger iMac to focus on getting the M1 out the door. And now they've, I guess, gone back to the big one, but we won't see it this year, according to German. Uh, be sometime in 2021. He does say it will be bigger than the 27-inch Intel iMac, which makes sense. The little one went from 21.5 to 24 inches. So maybe this is a 30-inch iMac. I think somewhere around there would be, be nice. It would still be a little smaller than the Pro Display XDR, but definitely a, a nice size. And I assume it'll be powered by whatever shows up in the MacBook Pro. So something probably not M1-based, maybe whatever the next generation is and the high end of that generation, possibly. <laughs> Stephen, you said 2020. <laughs> we did 20, uh, definitely not 2020, neither 2021. I think that was oh. what you meant to say, not 2021. Okay, look, the doing the calendar has really messed up my internal <laughs> clock. You know, you need to make sure you're really paying attention to dates. Nobody out of the three of us needs to know dates better than you. <laughs> I know when everything is in 2022. I don't know what year it is. Well, if you could let me know when this iMac comes out, that'd be great because that's when I think this is, this is probably a 2022 product, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this iMac could, is not going to come out last year. Uh, <laughs> and German says though. it won't be this year. I think this is exciting. I think there's going to be more of a, a gap, though, than I think we yeah. would have expected, right? Between the 24 and, the, and yeah. the bigger ones. This is making me happier about my decision to get the the uh, yellow iMac that I have in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the two-year thing they said, I mean, COVID was already going on, but it was before the climate we're in now, where manufacturing and raw materials are just harder to come by. And so I'm sure they wanted this out the door sooner. Just like the MacBook Pro, I'm sure they went at the door sooner, but they're doing what they can. Here's something, uh, we don't really have time for this. So I just want to insert this into this conversation and maybe we pick it back up. But, you know, there's been a lot of stuff about Apple working remotely and a lot of bad takes from people on what they should or shouldn't do about that. And we've talked about how like iOS 15 and macOS Monterey are kind of quiet years. Like hardware is maybe not moving as fast as Apple would want. I wonder if Apple blames that on people working remotely and that they would they would that they think they would have more done in iOS 15 had everyone been under one roof. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like iOS 15 is a pretty solid release. I don't know. Like I've seen I feel like I've seen versions of iOS that have had less in them. Yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know if Apple is is looking at some of this stuff and saying, "Oh, well if everyone was here, we would be you know, I don't know, because mm -hmm. Apple has a bad take on work from home. Uh, Mark Gurman also uh, published a report about the iPhone 13 line. 12S. The next iPhone line, uh, expecting a September announcement for all four models to be updated. So this includes the Mini, uh, but we can remember from other reports from, from many other analysts and people in the know that this is likely to be the last Mini for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Um, at least one iPhone will have a variable refresh rate display based on the LTPO technology, mm. which is similar to what's used in the Apple Watch for controlling um, refresh rate. Okay, so I want to I ask you all about this because I cannot make up my mind which phone it is. If they put it on the Mini, which has kind of mediocre battery life, the battery life could be incredible. But if it's about speeding up the refresh rate and making it faster then it's going to end up on the Max because it's the most expensive one and the one for playing games and stuff. Oh, no, this is going on both both the Pro phones. But both the Pro ones. That's yeah. what's going. Not the Mini, not the basic one. I see why you'd say the Mini because you, I think you're thinking of it from the like the Apple Watch perspective, right? Like, And I get that, right? Yeah. Yeah, because this has benefits on both ends of the spectrum. It's a really interesting feature in that way. However, it's going to be more expensive, and it's that what well, they're not going to sell it as this will be good for your battery life, even though they could. I think it's a very good point that you make. They're going to sell it as the high refresh rate display thing. That's what it's. This is going to take it all up to one twenty. So this is going to be the the uh, what do they call it on the iPad? The promotion. 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 This will be yeah. Yeah. this version for this for the OLED phones because the iPad of course is not OLED. What I would love to th- know and would love to think about is if this could finally bring an always on display to the iPhone. I've been uh, I've been checking out the Android beta on a Pixel phone mm-hmm. and it has an always on display so I can just glance at the phone and I always know what time it is and what the weather is like it's great. But maybe you wouldn't be able to use the always on display because you don't like promotion. That would be sad if I had to turn off right? the high refresh rate, but I couldn't have the always on. <laughs> Maybe it would. I would live without it because ProMotion makes my, my brain vibrate. It might be better on a phone. You never know. Yeah, yeah we'll see. It'd be worth trying. Uh, the notch is going to get smaller, finally. Okay. Camera upgrades, including better video recording, better optical zoom. I assume this means more opticals i don't really know what better optical zoom would be specifically because like technically they if you if better means increased they already did that Uh, does the non-max pro go to like the 2.5 or is it still two just the max goes to the 2.5 i think okay so maybe they're going to increase that on the other phones too maybe there are some dummy units floating around uh mkbhd posted some pictures of them and the whatever units MKBHD gets usually tend to be pretty accurate to how the phone's going to look. Like he'll tend to make a video every year where he shows off this stuff, but he posts this images on Twitter. The cameras are massive. They're massive. Did you guys see this? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a huge camera bump. It's huge. I mean, I don't really know what that means. I'm not going to try and really think it means anything because like we said this last time, thinking that like, oh, huge sensor. It's going to be like a DSLR in my pocket. And it kind of, it was better. It wasn't like as as excitingly better as we thought, but that is, these cameras are going to be massive. Um, And Mark Gurman also says that this phone is unlikely to feature Touch ID functionality in any of the models. And Apple are still working on an in-screen Touch ID sensor for the future. So this is kind of this is kind of boring, right? It's kind of a boring update. I think when you listen, well, obviously not that not that this show's boring, but because of what I would say, when you listen to me list it out like that, maybe it's not so exciting. I think the high refresh variable refresh rate display thing will be a big deal, and Apple will make it feel like a big deal, and they'll have a bunch of software features that do interesting things, and people will be really hyped for that. Maybe. But unless you see what it can do, I, I don't know. 
I want a better ultra wide lens. I've seen another report, I believe, that said that, but I don't remember if it was 2021 or 2020. Uh, sorry, 2020. Yeah, 2021 or 2022. But I've seen reports, I'm sure, of improvements to the ultra wide lenses. I don't know. Uh, I mean, cool. It doesn't sound so exciting, but um, I mean, I'll take it for the better camera, I guess. Apple analyst Ming-Chi Kuo said we can see significant ultra-wide lens improvements in the iPhone 13. Okay, good. He expects the ultra-wide lens to get autofocus for the first time. Um, it's fixed focus currently, and I guess there'll be some other uh, ultra-wide lens improvements. That's good. Very good. Okay. Maybe the new iPhone will make Safari better. Because, well, I mean, clearly the ultra-wide lens on the iPad Pro is is better. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's a good that's a good camera. It's better. It seems to be much yeah. better than the one that they've got in the um, in the iPhone. But still, that iPad Mini. That, that's that's the king of the updates this year. The new iPad Mini. It'll all be here before we know it. If you want to read more about the stories we spoke about, head on over to the website at relay.fm/connected/slash three fifty four. While you're on the Relay website, check out material. It's hosted by our friends Flo and Andy. Uh, they talk about what's going on over on the Google side of things. So follow along at relay.fm slash material or to search for material wherever you get your shows. You can find all of us online. You can find Federico on Twitter at V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He, of course, is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, we didn't talk about a review update, but I assume you're still... Working hard on yeah. the review? Yes, I am. <laughs> you haven't given up yet? <laughs> nah, I'm not doing it. I changed my mind. I'm still doing it. <laughs> still doing it. That's good. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike, where else can, Where else do you show up this week? Uh, I mean, everywhere. I can't okay. be stopped. Um, okay. Go to relay.fm slash shows. Maybe you'll find me. Maybe you won't. Maybe I'll show up in places you don't expect. I really uh, enjoyed Cortex this week. Good job. Oh, thank you. I also worked really hard on uh, this week's episode of Upgrade. Oh, like, it's so it good. Took me, it took mm. me a week to make it. I'm not <laughs> kidding. I was working on that episode for a week. If you haven't heard it, I would really appreciate if you listened to it because it, so, it was so much work. <laughs> but it, I, it came out well. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and you can find my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Instabug, Mac Weldon, and Hover. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.